for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. No, really, we really are at the Gateway Lounge. It has finally happened for the first time in about nine months, and it happens just as we really get the fall. No, it's sports. been longer than that, hasn't it? Has it been a full year? I don't know. When's the I last time has. you were here? Like October? I thought October mm, or November. I was thinking last summer. Yeah. Okay. I think it was the summer, well, but I could be wrong. A couple shows in the fall. Uh, that's Matt Zimmer. I'm John Gaskins, and uh, we are, as we intended this podcast to be about a year ago, at the Gateway Lounge talking sports, having a beer. They had warm Budweiser here, which is abnormal. They're usually great about cold drinks, but it's noon on a Thursday as we tape. So Matt's settled for a Bud Light. The, the truck hasn't arrived yet with yeah. the fresh cold Budweiser. Right. We, we get it. And I uh, didn't need a lunch beer anyway, <laughs> but here I am drinking one. Well, I didn't either, but why wouldn't you since we're here anyway? I mean, we, we agreed to these parameters, and uh, why not? Why not? At the same time, why not have a lunch beer? Do you feel like your day's going to slide downhill? I mean, I don't have much to do, so <laughs> I'm uh, getting on the plane to Colorado tomorrow morning, so I'm pretty yeah. much... All done till then. He's headed off to cover his main beat of many at the Argus, holding down the sports section fort to Fort Collins, Colorado. That's a hell of a sweet uh, college football road trip because it's an amazingly beautiful and fun town. The Jackrabbits are favored to beat Colorado State. We'll get into that. Of course, USD opening this season, a winnable game as a 14-point dog at Kansas which is uh, all but shy of just deciding to disband football at this point. And the Augie Vikings are opening Friday at home. They've got a beer nope, garden. Saturday. We'll, we'll get into that Saturday. And uh, tonight, Thursday. You've only made four mistakes in your monologue so I, far. Thank you very little. And uh, <laughs> just, just chipping off the rust. USF at home tonight. So by the time you hear this podcast, that game will probably be over. And the Gophers playing Ohio State tonight. And uh, by the time you hear this podcast, they will have probably lost. But you never know. First game of the year. And Ohio State's got a brand-new quarterback. Minnesota has one that started 30 games. So, football is in full swing. Zimmer's a happy guy. The Huskers that he hates are still terrible. <laughs> I'm miserable. That's fine. By the way, uh, Twins and Canaries both limping to the finish line on the field. Canaries have a big home weekend. That's uh, how they snapped their nine-game losing streak I mean, last night. I wasn't even aware they had a nine-game losing streak. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I've stopped looking at the standings. My job is to make these home games as fun say, as possible. I was going to say, what's-his-name Joey has certainly stopped including that information in his recaps that's, that he sends out. I would, I would if I were him, too. We're just uh, moving on to the next game. And the Little League World Series team uh, from Sioux Falls is going to be at the park. They're going to be signing autographs, 630. We're going to have live music at 615. Gavin Weir's throwing out the first pitch. Gavin Weir's throwing out That's the first pretty cool. pitch. It is cool. We're going to have a special ceremony introducing the guys uh, you know, early in the game between innings. Uh, Negro League celebration night. Your last chance to get to Sioux Falls Canaries games. We, we promise to make it entertaining for you. That's my job. Uh, doubleheader on Saturday, Superhero Saturday, dress like a superhero, get a ticket discount. Sunday, Harry Canary Bobblehead Day. I know you'll be there for that. <laughs> and uh, you can also uh, check us out on Monday. We're going to bust the crap out of office equipment like computers to commemorate the 25th anniversary of Office Space. Nice. On, uh, on Labor Day, while we're not at the office, the Office Space Bash to round out the Canary season. So, 
Uh, with for that, sure, Office Space came out in '99, so I don't know what you're talking about. Twenty six. No. Yeah, no. whatever. We kind of <laughs> we were gonna celebrate like the anniversaries of some movies this year as part of our fun. 35th of Ferris Bueller. 22nd anniversary of Office Space. 35th whatever. anniversary of Top Gun. And then we started to go, let's just, let's just we, these are fun movies to celebrate. We, they don't have to have an anniversary. Uh, so anyway, sfcanaries.com. Get out there. Your last chance. It's fun for the whole family. You'll love it. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, did you know the movie Office Space was filmed in Austin, Texas? No. And when I was living in Austin briefly a couple of years ago, I went to the site of Inatech where the movie was filmed. It's just an empty parking lot. Oh, I was kind of disappointed. It didn't but. burn down. Well, that's because it didn't burn down. <laughs> no, it was fake. Milton. No, not Milton. The guy who tried to kill himself. Yeah, with that, the carbon that actual whole like it's it's like a. It is kind of like you can you can go there and see it. Like yeah, this looks like one of those sort of corporate, you know, little mall sort of yeah. things. Like it, that's still what it is. Except now there's just an empty parking lot. I tell you, whatever what? building was for the movie has since been torn down. Or I don't know about you. You were probably about 18, 19 years old. If it was indeed ninety nine, it was either ninety nine or two thousand. Uh, and uh, you know, so I was about eighteen, twenty. And if you and I both at the same time, although we didn't know each other, totally convinced we did not want standard jobs in the workforce, and we wanted to get into the sports industry. Uh, that movie I, that was, pushed me over. That the movie top. was informative. Absolutely, it affected my life. It, it absolutely it, no did. No kidding. I'm yes. not kidding. You yeah. said I'm not ever going to do that. I'm I mean, not, I don't know if I'd say I'm not ever going to do that because you know you, you, you always kind of think know. early on in your life career you might have to do something you don't want to do. But but yeah, that was very. Uh, and I had a. <laughs> it's very true too, right? Yeah. I think. And I, I had, had an internship yeah. with the Canaries of all places in '99 or two okay. around that same time, and it was awful. Um, m- m- largely because of the people who were running the Canaries at that time, who are long since gone. Uh, but I remember being like, I've never been more unhappy in my life. I don't ever want to do anything like this. I quit after like a month. And because of the office. I mean, uh, it, it, the, the job feeling. sucked and the people who were in charge were assholes. But okay. um, yeah, seeing a movie like that definitely, uh, I very much identified with Peter Gibbons and still do to a great degree. Well, now working in the Canaries office, I can confirm uh, that job does not suck and the people are not awful. Uh, and we have a good, I have since we been have told a, we have a great time in the that office. There are a bunch of other people who worked at the Canaries back in that day who have backed me up. Like, yeah, those guys were assholes. Okay, so no. good thing they're gone. No, we're having a good time. Nothing du- to do with the present. Oh, yeah. our GM Duel Higby is a gem. We have a we have a ton of fun with him. Funny, funny, funny guy. All right, so um, let's talk football. Uh, you're off to Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, I I you know I'd be very disappointed if you if you didn't go check out a brewery or two. Even though I know you're not quite the, the brewery checking out type. But uh, my goodness, does it almost feel like uh, the Jackrabbits not need to win this game, but should win this game now that they're favored? I mean, they're starting they're a season. Favored. They were. Oh, they the were. Line, the line has moved. I've said that to you three times, and it apparently has not lodged itself in your brain yet. Scraping off the rust still <laughs> here at uh, the Gateway Lounge, starting off with the Miller Light. The at early noon. line had them as three and a half point favorites. Okay. They're now two and a half point dogs. Okay. Um, and that does surprise me a little bit because, like we were saying but before, dogs. Yeah, because think about it. The last time they played an FBS team was the Gophers, and they lost by seven. They very easily could have won. And that wasn't just, you know, that was a good Gopher. That was the Gopher team that won 11 games. Big Ten team that won 11 games. Well, now we're talking about a mid-major team or, you know, group of five, Mountain West, and not a good one. If the and and this Jacks team is arguably better than the one that went to Minnesota a couple years ago. They're just coming off an appearance in the national championship game. I'm not necessarily surprised that Colorado State has inched ahead as as the favorite, but you know this is a team that went one and three in 2020 with a bunch of COVID cancellations, and then in two years prior to that went three and nine and four and eight. So this is 
unless they've made an incredible turnaround, which I guess is possible, we're talking about a bad Mountain West team. You know, and SDSU yeah. has played TCU, Nebraska, you know, all these other teams, and played them pretty well. They beat Kansas a few years now. Kansas sucks, but yeah. um, still, I, I, you know, I, I like the way you phrased it. Like, is this a game that they feel like they should win or, or a game that they kind of need to win? I don't know if they need to win it necessarily because – Losses in FBS games, even to not very good FBS teams, tend to not hurt your playoff resume very much, but winning them really helps. And the Jacks had to, I'm assuming because of how COVID has messed with everything, they had to schedule a D2 game this year. They haven't done that in like 10 years. And D2 games don't even count. Like when the Jacks end the season, if they're 10-2, and two, they're 9-2. and two. Mm. You know, that, that win would not count. Mm. And obviously if they lose it, that'd be a, a huge problem. But so anyway, they, they yeah, counts they, if they lose. Right, right. It does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, so they, they, again, I don't know if need is the right word, but, and, and then just the other thing is kind of whether you want to say it's from a bragging rights or point of pride or whatever. I mean, North Dakota State wins almost every one of these games mm-hmm. when they play an FBS team. USD has two FBS wins. The Jacks still have just the one. And again, it was against a really bad Kansas team. They didn't win a game that year. Kansas went on 12 that year. Um, so I think they need another one. You know, right now yeah. they're. You can remember these individual games: TCU, Minnesota. Oh yeah. The one time against Nebraska where they did play them close. Another one was a blowout. And you can say they were close. They were close. They were close. But the bottom line is they're one and nine mm. in these FBS games. They need another win. Yeah. And given that over the couple, course of the next few years they're going to get Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa State. Um, this is the one they have the best chance to win. Yeah, I was kind of when I saw Colorado State on the schedule, I'm like, they're kind of. That's that's out of normal form, you know. Yeah, like they're I usually playing that, a big dog. Yeah. They're usually playing Big Twelve or Big Ten. You can you can bring them on over here. That's fine. No worries. We have uh, our food coming to the table. Zim's going to attempt to eat his cheeseburger and fries while we're doing a podcast. Uh, service at Gateway is always as always is terrific here. Oh, Thank there you. we Thank go. You. We got salt, pepper, ketchup, and um, Their fries are so good. We'll see how this goes. I said Zim, hey, we could stop and take a break nope, when we get the food, and he's like, no. Uh, well, no, we could stop and take a break to eat, but, you know, okay, we'll keep talking. It's the authentic experience. We just happen to have microphones and a laptop here with, uh, you got okay, you okay there? <laughs> you almost spilled mustard on yourself? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know what it went into scheduling this game. These things usually get scheduled, uh, you know, five or six years in advance. That was the mustard I, bottle, by the way, not Zim farting. And, um, I don't know what the payout is either on this one. I'm, I was going to ask you that, yeah. I'm guessing it's smaller. I know the Huskers give them half a million for a game. I'm guessing it's maybe like three hundred thousand, but who knows? You're definitely registering a lot quieter now that you have to have now that you have a cheeseburger right, right, in between right. you and the mic. Just when you talk, just you know, lean uh, in and chew. Lean into in the there, microphone. yeah, something like that. Well, yeah, hopefully, pre- preferably not chewing while you're talking. Well, uh, so you know, it's just bizarre. Like you don't have to win this game. There's nothing to lose, which that's why sometimes it favors these FCS teams, especially good ones like South Dakota State. And our last podcast that we did about three weeks ago in mid-August, we did kind of a Jackrabbit season preview, especially about expectations. So we've kind of all gone through this. Last time we saw the Jacks, they were, what, 10 seconds away from winning a national title. And I don't know if that's uh, remember, you know, how much that is singed in the brains of Jackrabbit fans or just local sports fans at large. It was, you know far more recently than it normally would have been and at the same time because it was a weird season maybe people have forgotten about it because we haven't had a real fall season in two years but I mean these they're damn near the defending national champions and as John Stiegelmeyer said at a Canaries game Jackrabbit night back in July they don't just want to make it to Frisco this year they want to win the whole thing 
And uh, so I don't know how much pressure they feel to do that. And I don't know what kind of, I mean, you, you, you get response from Jackrabbit fans. They make up a bulk of your readership and of this podcast. So uh, well, you're eating another bite. Maybe I should buy another 30 seconds. <laughs> what, you know, what is your feeling of what they want to see, what they expect out of this year? There is pressure. I mean, you know, for years it was get to the playoffs. Then they started getting to the playoffs regularly, and it was um, get a top eight seed. They made the uh, semifinals for the first time, got to the final four. And, you know, it's always been these little incremental steps. And then it kind of got to the point where, okay, getting to the semifinals isn't that big a deal anymore, especially when North Dakota State keeps winning another one and another one and another one. Pretty clear we're getting to a point here where it's like, time to win a national championship or stop talking about us ourselves as if we're, you know, at all peers of North Dakota State. Well, now they've been there, and that is not for nothing. You know, they had never been there. That's another thing they can check off the list. And it especially sucks for them because they should have won, and they probably would have won if Mark Gronowski hadn't got hurt. You know, the conference player of the year blows his knee in the first play of the game. You know, I mean, talk about your bad break. But, you know, no one wants to hear that excuse. You didn't. You still didn't win. And so I don't really see any scenario, especially given that because of COVID, all the players are back. I don't really see any scenario where the Jacks could fail to get to Frisco this year and not consider it a disappointment. You know, it's the same roster. And they made it last year. Came up just short. The problem is, you know, North Dakota State's going to be better. They got Quincy Patterson stepping in at quarterback, Virginia Tech transfer. They're healthier. They had some kids opt out last time. I mean, that was – I'm going to go ahead and say this. That was, for North Dakota State, a bad Bison team. Now, a bad Bison team is still, you know, one of the top five, ten teams yep. in the country, but yep. that's as bad as they've been in the last ten years. I mean, South Dakota State convincingly beat them in Fargo. Yeah. And then they didn't even make it to the semifinals. Yeah, they, yeah, you know, they, well, do we think they're going to be that bad again? Maybe, maybe, maybe the spring season was the beginning of the Bison dynasty starting to peter out. I don't know, but I wouldn't bet on it given their no. their history and, no. and their resources and all of that. So, um, it's a it's a difficult situation for their players and coaches to be in, and I think they recognize that. In that, anything short of getting back to Frisco and winning it will probably be considered disappointing. And, oh, by the way, that's going to be really, really hard to do. By the way, if you agree with that, Jack fans, or disagree with that, at ArgusMadZ on Twitter, uh, <laughs> it, that's interesting because even if they – so we're – yeah, I, I guess you're probably right. After after all these years continuing to lose to I mean, NDSU – I'm not saying if they go you know, 11-2 and two and lose right. in the semifinals, that that means, oh, they suck, fire, stig. But if they lose to NDSU in the semifinals, especially if that game would actually happen to be at David J. Dykow Stadium in the playoffs for once, yeah, that would that would sting. That would sting even though you'd have to go well, throw up your arms and just go, you know, what can you do? Just like any other golfer during the Tiger Woods prime, you know. It's like, well, what can I do? Um, all right. Meanwhile, the Jackrabbits have their quarterback decided. I think it was the guy that you thought was going to be the guy the last time we chatted and the transfer. and um, Chris Oladokun. How convincing – you get to see some practices. I mean, how convincing do you, do you feel like it was? He was going to be the guy all along unless he – Absolutely shit all over himself. Where did he transfer from again? Samford, but had okay. prior played at um, South Florida, USF. He start, started a couple FBS games, and the Jacks have never had a guy who had that on his resume. So that's a thing. You don't bring a guy with something like that on his resume unless you intend to start him. Especially when he's only there for one year. Yeah. And, you know, I think, so for me to say that he was the guy all along unless he absolutely bombed it, kind of sounds like I'm shitting on Keaton Heidi, and I'm not. Keaton's had a good camp. 
Um, I don't think it was really fair necessarily to judge him on his performance in the national championship game. That was a pretty tough spot to be thrown into. Uh, and I think he gives them a good backup. But I think even Keaton probably understood what was going on. I obviously wasn't in the room for any conversations that Stig or Jason Eck or Zach Lujan had with Keaton. But I got the sense they made it pretty clear, like, hey, you know, we're bringing this guy in because he brings some things to the table that you don't. And I think Keaton understands that. I know what those things yeah. are, or, you know, he's just a more dynamic, experienced player. He's very similar to Taron Christian. He's a pass-first quarterback who can also run. Um, and he's a sixth-year, 24-year-old senior. You know, Keaton's a third-year guy who's played a few games. You know, it's not just that Chris is more athletic and, and that kind of stuff. He's also far more experienced, far more knowledgeable. He's seen more. He's done more. Um, and then on top of it, he came in and just absolutely wowed everyone with his personality, you know, with the way he fit in with the dudes and tried to immediately make himself kind of one of the guys. He took on a leadership role, even though he's essentially a rookie, you know, in it, within the program. Uh, and that impressed the hell out of everyone. I mean, the first time I talked to him on the phone, I was like, wow, this kid's got a good head on his shoulders. And then I talked to him in person and had, you know, the exact same reaction. And that's what you want out of a quarterback, you know. I mean, I, we'll see what happens when, you know, it's live bullets, especially when your first game is on the road against an FBS team. But I'll be very surprised. I'm not saying Chris is going to be – Taron Christian, Mark Gronowski, Austin Sumner, whatever, but I'll be very surprised if he doesn't play at, let's say, an all-conference caliber level. Okay. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, cough, sneeze, a snuff there. Um, well, when it comes to this very first game, you said we know Colorado State has been down for the last couple of years. Uh, that's after Mel Tucker, their coach, left for Michigan State. This is a... Uh, Oh, no, wait, that was Colorado's coach. Yeah, no. Whatever. All right, so to your understanding, or let me ask you this, uh, have you, do you know at this point what their bread and butter is, uh, offensively, defensively, what kind of a game I mean, a we little, can expect? They only played four games last year under their new yeah. coach, so it's kind of hard to judge. Yeah. Here's what we know about them. Their quarterback was terrible. They brought in a, a transfer to try and push him, and then that guy, like, tore his ACL, or he's out for the year. So this guy was probably going to be the starter anyway, but they were hoping this other guy could push him, and he didn't. So they're going to a guy who, and when I say he's terrible, I just mean in limited action in a four-game season, he did not play well at all. Completed fewer than 40% of his passes. Uh, they brought in a transfer running back, I believe from Boston College, because that's where their coach, Steve Adazio, used to be. Um, that'll help. They have one of the best tight ends in the country. He's a first-round draft pick caliber type of guy, so he'll obviously be a major point of focus. Their offensive line is pretty good. And then on defense, they gave up a ton of points last year, like 35 points a game. But but I think they led the nation in sacks per game. They had like 16 sacks in four games. They have a very active defensive line that's going to cause some problems. I think part of the reason that they gave up so many points is because their special teams were awful. They gave up like three block kicks and three kick return touchdowns. And so that's something... In the stuff I've read uh, about the Rams leading into it, a big point of emphasis for them through camp has been shoring up special teams because it was, like, catastrophically bad in their four games. So that's something for the Jackson and their fans to keep an eye on. So they're not without their strengths. You know, like I said, NFL-caliber tight end, uh, defensive line that caused a ton of problems, a pretty good offensive line, uh, but a ton of question marks too. We expect the Jacks' defense to be rip-roaring like last year? Well, I mean – We've talked about this on the show a couple times. I mean, the, the reason they've gotten so much better in the last couple of years is how much better they are up front on both sides of the ball. And that'll make this an interesting matchup because that's probably Colorado St- State's strength as well. They have a good offensive and defensive line. So do the Jacks. 
how does that compare? You know, how does a a good FCS line compare to a good Mountain West line? I guess we'll find out. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything you look at, with maybe the exception of that tight end, who, like I said, kind of a Dallas Goddard caliber player. Wow. Outside of that, wow. you know, I don't know that there's anything on the roster where you go, oh, the Jacks can't hang with those guys. Because usually in these games, you know, TCU a few years ago, they, they had the lead in the fourth quarter, ended up losing by 20. TCU just had a level of speed, athleticism that just was too much. I don't think you're going to see that here. I mean, I'm sure they've got their guys, but this is not, you know, a Big 12 team, an SEC team. This is no. a Mountain West team. And it's not, and not really, a very good one. Uh, no, it's not a uh, football powerhouse either. Colorado State's never been prolific. They've had, they had some good years in the 90s and maybe the early 2000s with a guy named Sonny Anzaldo yep. who was like Jimmy, I think Jimmy Johnson and or Dennis Erickson's D coordinator at like in the Miami heyday in the U heyday and then so he turned that into a respectable program for years but I don't think it's been very good the last 10 I I I have reached out to Zach Borg who actually went to school there our local sportscaster and uh and am inquiring how much of a hostile atmosphere they have at those games my guess is not um that because again this is not a football power uh this is a I'm sure there's some school spirit, but it's a place. Sounds like there's going to be a great crowd, though. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, who knows how raucous it is? Uh, the, st- the stadium, as far as I know, is about forty to fifty thousand, maybe. New. It's a new stadium, but the thing is, they haven't had a home game in two years. Yeah, you know, they played yeah. four games last year, but yeah. three were on the road, and the home game was played in front of no fans. Okay, like a closed stadium. And I mean, I do know their so I fans. Think that's how they sold a lot of tickets. It's like, hey, come on, football's back. <laughs> It's not, you, know, you don't have to necessarily have a diehard, engaged fan base to sell out the first home game in two years. Unless you're, <laughs> excuse me. Well, unless you're Nebraska, who has one of the diehardest engaged fan bases and is struggling to sell out <laughs> their first home game. But that's a, certainly a completely different circumstance, uh, the way Nebraska's going right now. But, yeah. Uh, it, it, but it is South Dakota State, so who knows if... If it's just a game, great. And if they've studied up on South Dakota State and realized they're playing a team that was 10 seconds away from being the national title lists at the uh, FCS one, level, then maybe they'll get I a little excited working, for this. Working against the Jacks in this one is there will be no element of surprise or being taken lightly, you know. At least not by their – yes, at least not by the CSU staff. Their fans, who knows? Fans, maybe. sure. But, I mean, I mean, what really matters is the coaches and then trickling yeah. down to the players. And I think – Colorado State's players, I would hope for their sake, have enough self-awareness to go. We're eight and twenty in the last three years. This team just played in the national championship. They beat North Dakota State. Yeah, we got our hands full. Right, and at the same time, I bring up the stadium and the fans. And Zach Borg has weighed in. By the way, he says uh, new stadium is impressive, but not a hostile atmosphere. I'm expecting between twenty-five and thirty thousand. Might be a bit more this time with fans allowed back for first time in a while, as you said. Um, and. But it's South Dakota State, so again, will it? Will the fans be that aware of it to where it's going to be a a big crowd, b a a charged up crowd? What time is the game at? Seven o'clock local. Oh well, okay. That that helps it. That helps their electricity for the day because they'll be doing a lot of tailgating. Whoever those twenty-five or thirty thousand fans are, uh, but you know, I then I wonder about SDSU again. I, I don't know how much you think this kind of stuff plays in into a lot of games. I think it plays into something in the first game, what the atmosphere will be like. Because uh, if it's, okay, if it's kind of dead and, you know, there's not a lot of fans, there's like South Dakota State who gives a shit and their, their fans aren't, especially their students aren't aware enough of the Jackrabbits' quality. It's not like Colorado's coming into town or yeah. Ohio State. Um, 
So if it's not big and it's not charged up, that could be to the Jackrabbits' advantage. Obviously, they could, but at the same time, you know, they and a lot of FCS teams thrive in going into lion's dens right. like NDSU has gone to Iowa and a bunch of other places, Minnesota. I don't know if that's a lion's den, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, where they, they feed off of that, uh, that, that energy and that home crowd and the noise and then relish in taking it away if they can, you know, get things going. So I don't know. I don't know how that plays into the Jackrabbits or their personality. I don't, I don't know if it – I mean, I've seen enough Jackrabbit games, wins and losses, where it never – I can't think of too many where it felt like – The crowd is that – Was big a big a factor one way or the other. You know, they've obviously won games in the Fargo Dome, which is the most difficult environment you can get in the FCS level. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost games at home when they had a good crowd. They've won games at home when they had a shitty crowd. I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard to – I do agree with your point that – in the rare instances where they've got to go to someplace really cool, uh, when they went to TCU, uh, when they went to Nebraska, uh, when they went to – I don't quite remember if TCF was full, full for that game two years ago, but I think it probably was. You know, it was the opener. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and TCU was like a top and TCF 10 is a, No, I'm talking about the Gophers game. Oh, Gophers. Um, TCF Stadium. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think it was full. I mean, yeah. it's, pretty, it's not a hard stadium to fill for a Big Ten team. It's yeah, pretty 50, small. 50,000. Yeah, so – and, and so I do agree with your point. I think the, the Jacks do kind of thrive on that when they can kind of play that up, the walking into the lion's den, yeah. as you say. You know, I think that's – will they be able to do that here? I mean, maybe. Again, if there's something close to a full house, they were sending out some tweets indicating that it's close to selling out. I don't know you know, mm. if that's just they're blowing smoke or what, but that might help. It's still not going to be the same as playing, at, you know, at Memorial Stadium. But No. But play well, hang in there. I mean, it's hard to imagine a lot of football places getting louder than the Fargo Dome just because of the way the the building is built and the noise bounces off. And I remember that 2016 game, the Jacks played well and hung in there and made it close from the start. And there were stretches, especially when the Jacks went on big, long drives where that place was dead. And the the Jacks and their fans took that over. So Jackrabbits, Saturday night, Colorado State, Zim's out there. Can't wait to see it and read about it. Uh, any words on the Yotes? I know before the uh, the new Yote beat writer got into town, you you went down to Vermilion a few times, mm-hmm. got to uh, see them practice, kind of capture their storylines. And again, Kansas is the worst Power 5 football team and one of the worst FBS out of 130 there are in the country. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to have a winnable game at an FBS uh, school, it'd be Kansas. Yeah. I. It, how is it not winnable? I mean, yeah, I know USD – was what one and three in the spring only I know they only won one out of four or five games I remember they played uh but they got everybody back you know I'm sure Kansas does to some degree too but you know <laughs> it's hard to overstate just how bad Kansas has been uh they were 0-9 in the 2020 fall season uh after they had to chase Les Miles out of town because he's a dirty prick or whatever and mm-hmm. he probably would have got them turned around a little bit just because he kind of does okay wherever he goes he got off to a hot start and actually he beat Boston College on the road, which is probably partly why Boston College's old coach is uh-huh, now Colorado uh-huh, State. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, prior to Les being there, a guy named David Beatty was the coach. Uh, he came sometime after Mangino. Anyway, I was doing some of the research. They are 7-99 and in the last seven, eight years or whatever. Um that maybe seven and ninety nine in the Big Twelve. But I was going to say either, overall. Either way, it might be. There've been more than yeah. one winless season. I mean, they're a, a, a two or three win season has been the high water mark for them for a, yeah. basically ever since Mark Mangino. Or no, it was Charlie Weiss. Remember? Yeah, oh, it was yeah. after Mangino. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, and he was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, yep. And it's just gotten worse and worse since then. Um, 
you'd like to think if you're a Jayhawks fan that Jesus, okay, we're bad, but we're getting a FCS team that hasn't had a winning season in three years. You know, only w- played four games in the spring, only won one of them. Um, you'd like to think if I think if you're a KU fan that this is a winnable game for us too, and it is. No one's going to be shocked if the Jayhawks win that game. Uh, but to think that USD doesn't have a shot, I definitely think they have a shot. All right. I, I hate that. Especially this time yeah. of year, you don't have injuries yet. You know, yeah. you're healthy. USD's biggest question mark, I think, is depth. That's something that's going to hurt them from a potentially week five down the road. But first game of the season, nobody's hurt yet. Although, having said that, Mason Scheidegger, arguably their best offensive lineman, had to retire this week. Yeah, you a, t- I believe you tweeted blow. that. Yeah, That's a huge blow to them. Why is it? Just because was He's he their best offensive yeah, lineman, right, right. and they're not very good on the offensive line. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... W- what are they? What are they expected to do offensively with this new quarterback? Like, well, what's they're going to be their style, their bread and butter? It's tough because when you don't have a good offensive line, you know you don't. Then you know you're not. It's probably not going to serve you well to just try to man up and right. and play between tackles football at the same time. You need that kind of football to win a lot of games. Well, it helps for them that you know we can sit here and talk about how bad the offensive line is, but they do have everyone back. And you know, cue the jokes about like it'd be better off if you know all those guys were gone. Um, but, you know, offensive line, especially in, in college and high school football, you know, that's a place where just getting that experience, coming back, you know, returning players, playing together, tends to make them better. Yeah. So I don't think there's any way they won't be better on the offensive line this year. Does that mean they'll be good? You know, those are two separate questions. Um, but also, as far as, you know, like what they're going to do, it's kind of hard to say. They only played four games in the spring. Yeah. You know, that's a small sample size. The freshman quarterback played really well. You know, again, small sample size. Well, would he have been exposed the more he had played, or would added reps, added snaps, added games allowed him to get even better and better and better? Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, the big question for them, I think, on offense is can they run the ball at all? Because uh, they were terrible at that. And, and that, yep. again, offensive line yep. part of it. Uh, Kai Henry was sort of their dude in the backfield. He's gone, and I kind of get the sense that they're not sad to see him go. Um, maybe an addition by subtraction sort of thing. The guys that have coming back, Travis Thies and then uh, a couple other guys whose names escape me, um, but they think that they're going to be more talented. It's just that these are guys that haven't played a whole lot. So, you know, we're going to kind of find out how good they are. Yeah. He's Matt Zimmer. I'm John Gaskins. Gateway Lounge. It is Nobody's Listening Anyway. Kind of, I guess you could call it episode two of season two. Kind of had episode one back in August, but we're at the Gateway for the first time and. Uh, nine or ten or eleven months. It's at lunch. How was your cheeseburger? By the way, you woofed that down pretty fast. So quite good. And quite fries good. are so good. They have those crinkle fries. I just love them. I'm a crinkle fi- fry fan. I got the taco salad. I'm getting my greens in today, and uh, the salsa's great. Chicken's great. I'm gonna chomp on the flour tortilla here in a moment. You eat the tortilla? Uh, no, not usually. No, but I might. Like I'll take one bite and I'll go. Okay, then. No, that's <laughs> all right. Never mind. What's use? What's the use for this? But yeah. what was in it was very good. Um, so, and we've got our beers. I, I, I love a lunch beer. It's never necessary. I love them too, except the older I get, the more like, I need two hours to recover. Well, I will say Not because I get a buzz, it like knocks me out. Like I'm just exhausted. So yesterday- I have a lunch beer and I have to go back home. Like I'm like, okay, give me an hour nap before I can start doing anything. I drove to Laverne for lunch yesterday. Laverne, Minnesota, because a buddy of mine from Worthington, where I used to live and work years and years ago, had a golf outfit. We had Caddyshack night at the birdcage last night. So we had a a Knickers and absurd golf outfit to drop off. Okay, let's have lunch. And we both had one beer. And I was tired. It's yeah. more. It's more than anything. You yeah. just get tired yeah, exactly. after one beer, sixteen yeah. ounces. But uh, usually worth it. Even um, when I drink at night, which is pretty much a daily occurrence. Yeah. Like Jen gets home from work, 
and like first thing she does is crack a beer. Yeah. And she'll have another one an hour later, and then maybe another one an hour later, or maybe she'll. I'll have uh, one you, more. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, not me. I'm just yeah, talking. Yeah. Well, if he's gonna have one, I'll have one. Sure. <laughs> what the hell? And, Hope uh, my bosses don't hear this. Yeah. And anyway, and like she just handles it like a champ. Yeah. I have to wait until like nine or ten o'clock to have my first one. Interesting. So that I can be conscious next to her. You know, like <laughs> if I have a beer at six thirty, like. You know, I have to either not have another one until ten o'clock. Wow! Or if I just like crack another, crack another. Like by nine o'clock, I'm like, uh, you, just, you just can't. Now you like whiskey and bourbon, though, don't you? Maybe you should start more of a sipping. Rum guy. Okay, but either way, I, like you can't. I, I, sometimes okay. I actually do, like, because I cook dinner every night. Because she's always so much more busy than I am. Sometimes I'll make a cocktail with dinner and like make it a really weak one, so it's more caffeine. Like I'll make a yeah. Bacardi Coke, heavy on the Coke, so like yeah. I get a little caffeine, yeah. a little bit of rum in there, but also kind of like, hey. I'll try to stay awake past 7 yeah. o'clock. Yeah. And, well, it's interesting you bring this up, like having to start late, because this is a discussion I was having with my my friend yesterday who was uh, uh, an old golf partner, our age, uh, golf league partner, and we loved, you know, once or twice a year I go to Worthington, we play golf, we drink a lot. And, uh, you know, he just likes to plow through golden lights, because that's what they drink in Minnesota. Some of them. God. <laughs> oh, you're rolling your eyes. What, what are you rolling your eyes I at the gold, went to golden? college in Minnesota. They oh. treat that shit like it's... Water, yeah, but like it's great. It. I don't get it. It's not that different from Bud Light or Coors Light. Like it's but. weird. You cross over into the border and like they market it there. They're yeah. like, hey, you it's, idiots love this shit, don't you? Yep. You know? I, yeah. Well, I moved there and I'm like, oh, this is a Minnesota thing. I'm gonna be a Minnesotan, and I drank a lot of it. It's fine. I, I still do it when I go there. I when don't I was, care. Do they still have the crinkle cans? Uh, I, I don't. That's, I don't know. I mean, it's been, <laughs> been 20 years since I've had one. But when I was in college, yeah, like all the yeah. And plus, I lived with a bunch of South Dakotans in at St. Cloud State. Yeah. And we'd have parties at our house. Yeah. And we'd invite mostly people we knew, but some, you know, yeah. people we had met or sure. whatever. And they'd be like, what's with the Budweiser in the course? Like, what are you, fucking rednecks? And they'd be like, what are you? Like, what was this Mick Goldlight? Oh, my God. Yeah, that, was, that was like, why are you not drinking that? That reminds me of a party I threw at, uh, at my house in college where uh, we, my, my roommates and I, went to the liquor store to get a couple kegs. We are just going to get Bush Light, Bud Light, you know, everybody ever has. And uh, they had Leinenkugel's. On sale, they had honey, like Leinenkugel's Honey Vice and Leinenkugel's Red. This was back 20 years ago when red beer was a thing. Mm-hmm. And But we're just like... we Red we had, dog. We had just started drinking, you know, we had gotten out of our Bud Light, Bush Light shells. Mm-hmm. We're starting to drink, you know, Sam Adams and some Boulevard and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Fat Tire, Fort Collins. And uh, like Leinenkugel, all right, well, let's get to... And it, it, it was on sale. The Leinenkugel's was on sale, same price as the Bush Light. Like, so why wouldn't you? Yeah. And so we get one honey and we got one red. And it wasn't so much the guys, but all the girls at this party. And I was I was being kegmeister for most of the night because I wanted to see people's reaction, <laughs> like how proud we were that we got good Real shit. Beer, yeah. And every I'm my memory jogs back to every girl being like, especially the red beer. They're like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, it's mining kugels. Ugh, it looks like cough medicine. I'm like, try it. It's good. It's good beer. Why don't you just get Bush Light? I'm like, oh my God, you can't win. You can't win with these people. But, but so this old golf friend that I was with yesterday, he mentions, you're talking about not being able to start at 6.30 p.m. He's not, he, he spends some of his weekends camping uh, he's got a camper with his wife and his mother-in-law. He gets along with them well. They have one. Uh, it's usually just those three, and he will. Thank you, dude. You know, he'll he'll sleep in, wake up, start crack open his first beer at like 11 a.m. You're by the lake. You're gonna be there all day. Mm-hmm. And the mother-in-law, you know, the first time she saw him do this, goes, "Isn't it a little early?" <laughs> and he said, "He said, Sue, 
telling you, I'm telling you this right now. I am going to drink 13 beers today. Okay, <laughs> no matter what. Now I can wait until five or six o'clock tonight and just hammer them home <laughs> and be really drunk and not a lot of fun for you. Or I can just spread them out an hour. throughout yeah. the day and enjoy my cold beer right here by the lake and be a lot more pleasant to deal with. <laughs> and she just said, okay. And then she started to get into the habit. She was, because, you know, 60, 65 years old, she's kind of like, oh, well, that's a different way of thinking about it. Maybe I'll go against convention and start drinking Took her early. 60 years to figure that out? Took her, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> better late than never. Um, so, uh, and speaking of beer and drinking beer in the afternoon, so speaking of beer and beer in the afternoon, uh, Augustana is some- doing something that still a lot of major college football programs, state schools. I mean, this is a public religious institution with, I think you'd agree, uh, a fan base that could lean a little maybe conservative on the political social, so- social spectrum. It's a liberal arts college. Yeah, but beer is not political. But beer is, thank you. Yes, it is not. Um, and uh, they just, they're bringing in a beer garden at the place. And uh, this is on campus, an on-campus stadium, and you wrote about this earlier today. It shouldn't be a big deal, but it is because it's the first school in South Dakota to do it in places like Nebraska. Haven't started doing it yet. Yeah, I mean, Augie's been doing it at basketball games for a while. That's right, yeah. Um, Certainly when they moved into the Pentagon, but even uh, I went to a game at the arena a few years ago, and I don't think you could buy it like at the regular concession stand, but I was there like I was there as a fan, but they kind of gave me VIP treatment, so they allowed me into their whatever Viking club or whatever, and you could oh, buy beer there. Yeah. So I've had beer at Augie basketball games a couple times, and I was. Were you surprised to hear that that they were having a beer? No. Garden? Yeah. Neither was I. I, no. I. I did not at all think it was surprising. I guess I was just making a, little a point bit. to kind of get in a dig at SDSU and USD. That what the fuck are you waiting for? Yeah. Um, I know about ten years ago, uh, shortly after Bob Young Field opened. Uh, Willie Sanchez, the athletic director at the time, told me that he wanted to sell beer, and I was like, "Well, how?" Are you? And he's like, it's "At the easy. Stewart Center? No, at at Bob Young Field." Sorry, <laughs> um, but and because what he was basically saying is it would be really easy because we're yeah. a private school, we're off campus, like there's basically nothing stopping us from doing it. Right. We have all the freedoms essentially that we would need. Except the thing is, USF's board of directors, from what I've been led to believe, they're kind of non-athletic higher-ups. You want to talk about conservative prudes? Whatever. Yes. Yeah, they, are, they were absolutely never going to And if you're a USF higher-up listening to this and you're not a conservative prude, we apologize. We've I been don't. generalizing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, Willie was like, yeah, there's nothing there. I, I would love to do it, but it's never going to happen. But I remember when Willie told me that, thinking like, well, you never know. Things change over the course of many, 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 many years. We, yeah. we move further progressively whatever but then i also remember thinking well that probably means at some point augie's going to beat you to the punch because they're in the same situation you know private school have their own thing so it was only a matter of time and now that they're trying to go d1 they're trying to raise money they're trying to raise their profile trying to do anything that can kind of you know hey we're doing this thing you know this is something we have that other people don't i mean it's kind of a no-brainer and, and, uh, and this is what is it? Do you think it's a? It's to make more money than you normally would off concessions, but b? It's also improve attendance. Dr- improve attendance. Oh. People who wouldn't normally go to Augie games might be going to Augie games. Just and I'm talking people who might not even be Augie fans or care. They're just like, cause I like going to both Augie and USF games when I when I have the opportunity because. It's college football. It's Saturday. I grew up with it in Nebraska, and mm-hmm. it's fun. It's cool. I like both of their stadiums. I don't think Augie's a great place, but I, I can imagine 
I mean, I don't know how many extra fans are going to get there, but I would think there's some people in Sioux Falls who are just like, what the hell? It's Saturday afternoon. I'm going to uh-huh. go watch some college football. Let's go to Augie. And oh, by the way, I think those a couple people, beers. I think those people would do that anyway. Sorry. So I don't think short term there's going to be like this big bump in attendance just because they're selling beer. Uh, short term, you're just going to get more money from the beers that you sell. Right. But I think long term what can happen is you build a better football culture mm-hmm. you know you just make your saturday afternoon traditions a little bit better yeah you know people are like hey i'm going out to augie to watch a football game and you know maybe have a beer or two while i'm yeah. there tailgate before the game i i know when they first opened kirkaby over there were some complaints about the tailgate scene i think they've improved that what uh, were the complaints and- uh, just that the cops were a little too stiff. Same thing here at Brookings, basically, and you know that they had certain rules that they were a little bit overbearing. And um, I know now they've tried to have sort of this like Viking land sort of thing out yes. there. Yep. I mean, I've never gone to a game at Kirkby over as a fan. I've only gone, you know, to work. Haven't gone and tailgated. Yeah. So like. I don't know how, what it was or how it's changed. But I, if I know Josh Morton as well as I think I do, like he's the kind of guy who wants to do. What's prudent? What's practical? What will be best for Augustana? He's yeah. not going to be held back by, oh, I don't want to offend anybody or anything like that. So, again, not at all surprised they did this. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think Augustana is going to prove to people that these uh, ideas that if, oh my God, if we let people drink at college football games, you know, there's going to be riots in the stands and drunk kids running around naked and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, that's bullshit, and we all know it's bullshit. Right. It's something that people throw out there just because they don't want to change. They don't want to have yeah. this thing. Right. And studies have traditionally, consistently uh, shown that when you legalize it, that when you sell beer in the stadium, the incidents go down. Oh, yeah. Because now the kids aren't taking shots in the parking lot right. to try and build up a buzz before they get inside the stadium. Yes. And not only that, you charge enough money for the beers that people can't get drunk off them. You know, like, have you ever tried to get drunk yes. at a Major League Baseball game? I hope you're rich as fuck, man. Right. This is 12 bucks a beer. Ten, you know? There's a 12 now? Whatever it is, yeah, whatever. you know. Yeah, and it's a lot, yes. And I don't, it's probably not going to be that much at Augie, but it's going to be six yeah. or eight but or I'll something. Always, but, you know? but I'll always get more than one. You know, I'll go to those Twins games. I usually but, get two. And yeah. It costs me it's just kind of like, bucks, I can't yeah. have just one, you know. So, uh, there you go. And uh, So, anyway, I think Justin Sell, I know... Uh, desperately wants to sell beer yeah. at, at SDSU games. I like Justin, and he's great at his job, but I, I'm comfortable saying I think he needs to be more aggressive about it. I think he's trying too hard not to step on toes or publicly board of say Regents, anything. Right. right. I, I think he just doesn't want to do any do or say anything that will endanger his chances of getting his way. Mm. Um, but he's not getting his way. Yeah. So I think he needs to start being a little more aggressive about it. Uh, you saw with USD a few years ago, they signed Bob Nielsen to a multi-year contract extension when those were illegal. The Board of Regents okay. had not approved him yet. Okay. David Herbster basically said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of waiting for the Board of Regents to approve this shit that everyone else has been doing since 1970. Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Kiss my ass. Well, <laughs> good on USD for doing that. Yeah. And I don't know if this is exactly an apples-to-apples comparison, uh, but that's what SDSU or USD, that's what they have to do is say, you know what? We're sick of waiting for this Board of Regents like, we're treating these people like they're the Supreme Court or something. You know, like, we're just going to do this. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. I don't know if that's feasible, but like I said, USD got away with it with the multi-year contracts thing. Yeah. And I would hope um, that Augustana doing this, if SDSU wants to take themselves seriously as a Division One program, and they by all means should. They're in the NCAA tournament for basketball all the time. Their football team is the national championship. They are a legitimate Division One program. All right, then get off your ass and start offering and every, your fans what yeah. the private Division Two school down the road is offering. Yeah, and everything about that stadium smells and feels of a legitimate Division One program, and the intention is to have a big party and make it feel big. And I'm sure they're not all drinking milk up there in Club 71 every now oh, and it, then. That's an open. It, that's, it, I was going to say open it, secret. You know, it's not even open secret. That's 
that's well yeah, known. Of course, you can. You, they will serve you beer in the yeah. private rich yeah. guy section. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And but and what's also interesting, by the way, to your point, uh, I think other schools are followed. It's like these mask mandates all over South Dakota. These you know, day after day, a new town has one because somebody did it first. So I think that's going to free it up for the South Dakota Board of Regents. I would think USD and SDOSU are going to do it at the same time when they start doing it, probably very soon. Uh, now, but it's a beer garden. So are they are they looking to contain all the beer in one place? Do you have to have a wristband? I don't even I, really know for well, sure. Well, I, I just I just saw the headline that it's a beer garden. Yeah, so that's all I saw too. So I, I guess if you want to drink beer at an Augie game, you have to go into one yeah, spot. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to let like kids bring them into the student section. Probably not. Yeah. I'm sure they'll have some sort of system in place. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's better than nothing. It is it's better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Husker fans over. I mean, we've done this. We did this topic when I was in Lincoln Sports Talk Radio from 2011 to 16, over and over again, every single year. You're always going to get the fans that are, that, and you know, it's a little apples to oranges because Nebraska does, even though the football has gone downhill progressively for a decade, still until yeah, until this very Saturday when it was in jeopardy, getting sellout crowds, and usually the atmosphere, at least at the beginning of the games, <laughs> is fairly electric. Yeah. I mean, Husker fans are loud and supportive, and you know they get moany and groany when the team plays like shit, but so do all fans. They don't know how much they suck. That's yeah. why they're still excited. <laughs> <laughs> they're, but they're not. This is the most apathy they've had ever in, in our lives since 1961 in Nebraska football history. But well, you know, Stop acting so surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not talking about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but like, and that's, and that's, and now it's kind of like... Now they're gonna have to. That, that might be have to be what part of what they do to get people yeah. back into the game is well, to I mean, sell. I mean, I, I again, remember, I don't know if that's gonna push them over the top. I went to several Nebraska games as a kid in high school because my dad was kind of getting really getting into the Huskers for a while. So like we'd go to one game a year for yeah. like when I was in high school. And when I found out that they didn't sell beer there, I was like, what? And this is 20 I, years ago. I, yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. And then the funny thing was we'd go there and. Uh, my dad and his buddy that would go, they'd go in, you know, they'd bring a flask or, oh, yeah. or something. Then they'd go into side tracks and have a few drinks. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go to the game. And then I can just always remember how <laughs> on the way home, four hours later, my dad and his buddy would just be like complaining about their headaches because, you know, <laughs> they had tied one on at yeah. 11 o'clock in the morning. Of course. Then spent four hours yep. sobering up. Yep. You know, and then like trying to drive home to. I remember how irritable they both always were all the time. Uh, the Oscars won fifty six. Right. Well, they usually did. Yeah. Well, there were uh, there's there were always in those old. I mean, Memorial Stadium was built in nineteen twenty four, and even the uh, the newest part of the stadium was built in nineteen sixty five. And so some of the old bathrooms in that place, that with all the you know piss troughs and uh, you know just old dank bathrooms, and in the stalls you would see. Almost every stall you'd ever go into, you'd see a peppermint schnapps bottle or yeah. something. And people yeah. are doing that, of course. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my dad uh, used to tailgate with my uncle, his younger brother, who lived in Lincoln about a mile from the stadium. We'd go there before games a lot. And it was kind of the same thing. And uh, I'll never forget. And, and so my dad, same thing. He would load up. You know, he'd work all week, hardworking guy. This is the day to let loose. Go down to your old alma mater, go to a football game. And they don't sell beer in the stadium. I don't know if he would have drank less or gone at it, you know, any less you know, f- fervently oh, before the game. That, that my dad would have. Okay. Because I mean, what would yeah. happen is you, you're, you're a buddy from Laverne. Yeah. That's what you end up doing. Yeah. You know, you have a couple before the game. You have a couple in cram the parking it, lot. Cram it then in you there. you have a couple at the game. Yeah. Instant. You know? yeah. So it's a, no, I'm saying it's like a, 
a consistent standard. Like, right. You don't have to tie the one on before the game. Right. And also, you have maybe just two during the game right. so that you don't get that headache exactly. that you have to drive home. But it reminds me of my dad. And, you know, they would they would allow canteens in it. Like, I remember my dad bringing a canteen. Or you could bring water bottles in. I remember bringing in a water bottle. Like, I mean, I'm talking about like old sport bottles, not like this was pre Dasani and bottled in water. And dump it in a drink? I don't. I wouldn't do that, but uh, like when I was 12. But um, but my dad would bring a canteen, and they didn't check for these kind of things at the gate. So I always wondered what my dad had in the canteen. I'll just I'll just never forget. There was one game. It was one of those Middle Tennessee State type of games. It's 56 to whatever in the fourth quarter. Most of the, you know, three-fourths of the stadium is gone, but for some reason my dad and I are still sitting there. And, you know, most of the time I wouldn't notice if my dad was drunk or not because you're watching a football game, you're into it, whatever. You're not really paying attention. And but when the crowd had thinned out, my dad would sometimes bring the, you know, his, his headphones to listen to the game on the radio. And I just remember he'd been quiet for a while. Then all of a sudden he's sitting there, four stringers are in there, inconsequential football, and my dad just out of nowhere starts Kind of dancing in his seat and sing <laughs> Susie Q by Creedence Clearwater Revival. He's, oh, Susie Q, baby. <laughs> and he's just like, he's really loving his Susie Q. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, been, they must have had, not had water in the canteen today. Um, so, anyway, beer at football games, I think, is on the horizon more and more now that Augie has opened the floodgates here in the, in the Rushmore State. What's the, uh, you know, I know we're winding down here. What are, quickly, Augie USF, um, Expectations for both of them this year—they're pretty high. They're both top four in the 16-team NSIC preseason poll. Yeah, USF has a few more question marks: quarterback, uh, offensive line, um, but they're always good, you know. And I expect them to be good again. Yeah, Augie has fewer question marks, but you never know with Augie if there's going to be that one game they lose that they're not supposed to, and that ruins their whole season. Um, Kyle Sadler, their quarterback, was the preseason player of the year, which surprised me because he's been. Inconsistent. When he's good, he's really good. But when he's bad, he gets benched. So uh, we'll see. The big question, you know, in that league is always, can you beat Mankato? Because Mankato's loaded again, as always. All right. Fair enough. Vikings start next week. We'll get into that next week. Uh, Twins are lousy. Uh, A reminder... The uh, Sioux Falls Canaries. I don't even know what their record is. I know it's not good. But 34 and 60. Uh, 60. I'm God honest with you. <laughs> that's the first time I've known of their record since they were around 500 before the, we hit the halfway point. Uh, and most fans don't know. I'm telling you, most fans, when they go to the game, unless they're season ticket holders who are obviously there almost every night, and we love them, and we love that they keep showing up despite the team not winning a lot this year, uh, people don't know. They're, they're out there to have a good time, to have some family fun, and we got that. If you're listening before Friday, come on out, and I, I guess we could have a final word about this Little League World Series team. They're going to be honored during the game, but we're also going to allow fans to walk right up to these kids. They'll be signing autographs. Uh, we will have pictures for them to sign, a limited number, uh, at the game. 6.30, inside the gates at the birdcage, Friday night. Gavin Weir will throw out the first pitch somewhere around 6.50, 6.55, so get there early. And then at some point during the game, we're going to honor the entire team with the Canaries. It's also Negro League Celebration Night. It's South Dakota African-American kind of heritage history thing. We're going to do a real cool thing with living, breathing, walking South Dakota African-American history. It's going to be a really cool night. Fireworks after the game. Uh, so, Birdcage. Superhero Saturday. Doubleheader on Saturday. You big? You were ever a superhero comic fan? You, you know? You want to bust out a Superman um, or Batman outfit? When I was little, I was Spider-Man. really into He-Man. I was too. And they, did you I see? Think we were, they they made a I reboot? think we were into He-Man for different reasons, but I was definitely. 
into He-Man. Well, did you see that the ne- there's a Netflix reboot of He-Man? No that just way. Came out? Is She-Ra a part of this as well? I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ke- Kevin Smith, the clerk's yeah. guy, is yeah. responsible for it. And uh, I asked Arthur if he wanted to watch it. And he's like, yeah, that sounds cool. And we watched, we binged the whole season. It was only like five episodes, like in one night. Okay. And I liked it a lot more oh, than okay. Arthur did. Wow. <laughs> he liked it, but I was, yeah. for me, it was nostalgia overload. <laughs> was, I'm Merman. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> and Skeletor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're going to have a superhero Saturday. So it's a, a mini Supercon or whatever they call those at the uh, Birdcage 3 and 6, both games, Superhero Saturday. Wear a costume of a superhero, you get a ticket discount. Sunday, Harry Canary Bobblehead Day. Uh, SFCanaries.com if you want to go online and get these uh, special tickets. The Friday night for Kansas City uh, for the Negro League Celebration Night with the Little League World Series team. Uh, we have this Kansas City Baseball Prize Pack. If you just order an online ticket for 15 bucks in the lower bowl, that's actually less than it would cost for you to walk up and get the ticket. Uh, you'll be eligible to win a Kansas City Baseball Prize Pack. Four tickets to a Royals game of your choice for the rest of the year. Four tickets to the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Uh, and then Sunday, Harry Canary Bobblehead Day. If you want a Harry Canary Bobblehead and a lower bowl seat, that's just 20 bucks. So basically the bobblehead is free sfcanaries.com if you want to go and we got one final game on Monday uh, where we will celebrate uh, the whatever the fuck it is 23rd anniversary of Office Space and our, our season finale will be a busting old office equipment for those of you who may be very frustrated on the job and want to take out that frustration on a day where you don't have to work on Labor Day uh, meanwhile I'm going to go into the office uh, with now a couple beers I, th- I feel okay about that. Boy, Think Duel he- must be a good guy. He, right. a good- he lets me drink at work during the games because Harry Canary. <laughs> Harry Canary has to be true That's to character. That's a little different. You're in character. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, well, and you just have to go home, so you don't have any consequences to worry about. Hey, this was fun. Let's try to do it again every now and then. All right. All right. He's Matt. I'm John. Gateway Lounge. Come on down here. All these sports we're talking about. Uh, all weekend long with college football kicking off. You know they have awesome food. You know the service is wonderful. You know this is a local institution. Uh, If you follow them on social media, them and shenanigans, uh, they're good friends in the sports bar industry in town. They support so many local charities, so many real local people who need their help and appreciate it. That included the Little League World Series team and anybody that's benefited from their charity golf outings. I mean, it's a good place to go put your local dollars into when you have a one. A good meal a good drink or f- several, and uh, or watch some sports. Come on out to the Gateway Lounge at 41st and I-29. We appreciate them for supporting this podcast, even though we've rarely been doing our shows from there uh, because, you know, we had a pandemic. Uh, for Matt, I'm John. You want to go ahead and you close it out this time. Thanks for listening to Nobody's Listening Anyway. We'll talk to you next time. That was very soothing. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.